When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you made the best ball playoffs. Then you even advanced to the semifinals. Now we're down to the second to last week. The sweat is real. So who do you want on your teams? Who do you want to be fading? What are some of the most exciting games in a week with weather, low totals, injured players? What are the injury ramifications? All sorts of different things really heavily impacting the semifinal round of the best ball playoffs. So how should we feel? That's what we're going to figure out right now on Spike Week. All right, guys. Happy Week 16. Kicks off tomorrow with a, a Thursday night game that is super impactful, actually, with the Jaguars, and the Jets in maybe some bad weather with a tough matchup for the chalky Jaguars offense, in particular Trevor Lawrence and Zay Jones and a smidgen of Evan Ingram. Both excited to get the week rolling and terrified to get the week rolling. I have some teams that very much need Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. Some teams that need Travis Etienne. Some teams that need Jets players. And we got Zach Wilson, even though the matchup is great. I'm not sure that matchups matter all that much for Zach Wilson to get the ball to Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and et cetera. It is a weird feeling right about now with a lot of these things we will get to. We will get to the injuries and the potential, maybe just some inactive players like Matt Ryan, um, and what some of that means. Huge weather ramifications on this slate. We will walk through the weather. We will walk through this 100% what Cool on 2K asks. I have no Osborne, Zay, or McKinnon anywhere. Should I be worried? Quite the opposite, actually, which we will get to how to handle some of those chalkier guys. And then we'll talk about maybe some of the most exciting matchups, you know, the best matchups for offenses, some players in um, maybe not the highest amount of advancing teams that are in good spots or have some teammates missing to get some elevated volume, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Matt says big Elijah Moore week. Let's go. It's a great matchup for Elijah Moore. About as basically the best matchup you can get against that pass defense. Can Zach Wilson get him the ball? We're going to find out. <laughs> We're going to find out in 30 hours or whatever it is. Um, Ken is in one, has one BBM team left, or only, only one in his BBM pod with Elijah Moore. Totally, totally love that. The Jets are a team that we will talk a little bit about later. Felix always with the off the radar guy, 
touting Terrace Marshall this week, which I understand. Matt asks, is this injury tag on Lawrence just maintenance seems like the same injury? I think it is mostly, yeah, just them abiding by the injury report rules, meaning with no more probable tags and such. Lawrence is technically questionable, but it's just because he's kind of banged up. He's not actually not going to play is my opinion on the situation. Surely things could change, but that's what it appears to be. Um, so let's let's since you guys have kind of been asking about the chalkier guys first, let's start there. Let's start with some of the, you know, this is a natural feeling, right? You either have or do not have a lot of the guys who popped off last week. Here I pulled up um, Hayden, Hayden Winks from Underdog has the advance rates for um, it's sorted by, you see, a live team rate, meaning teams that have made it to this semifinal round. This is the percentage of teams that have this player, right? So you see, hilariously, Zay Jones at the very top of the list. If you recall, last week, Josh Jacobs had the highest advance rate among amongst any player in Best Ball Mania, nearly 50%, 46 or 47%. He's all the way down at like 10% now, by the way, um, which we might get to in a little bit. But you can see how wildly, uh, how, how shift, you know, how, how much the, the results of one week of the playoffs can crazily shift the ownership in these subsequent rounds. Zay being, you know, Zay was had a pretty significant advance rate, and then he went off for the wide receiver one score on the week. Jarek McKinnon had a reasonable advance rate. You see him down as the fifth highest owned player in the semifinals. So these guys that had at least decent seasons and then pop off are the guys who are extremely high owned Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Ramondre, right? Justin Jefferson. These guys are not too surprising to see on here, but so the, the natural feeling is two different things as it pertains to the, the chalk. Sorry for keeping that comment up here. Um, you know, cool on 2k asking, is it basically good or bad? If I have, have, or do not have Osborne, KJ Osborne, say Jones and Jarek McKinnon. And it's 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 two things. One, in particular, Zay and McKinnon. I I don't think that Osborne has. I think it was mostly a fluky game for Osborne. Obviously, three touchdowns for Zay, two touchdowns for McKinnon is a little bit fluky. But Zay has been a full time player. had has had several spike weeks over the course of the year. McKinnon has really ascended into you know a little bit more than fifty percent of the backfield there between him, just him and Pacheco in Kansas city. So not all too surprising on one hand. Yeah. You want to have the 17th round guys that now project way better than their draft cost, right? That's on one hand, what you want. Zay Jones is out is still even in a tough matchup, which we'll get to is going to project better than other 17th round wide receivers. Jarek McKinnon, absolutely the same way. However, as you see here, we know that a quarter of your pod, a, you know, a, th- a third of your pod, a huge percentage of your your playoff pods that you've now advanced to are going to have these guys. 
And so not having them naturally is going to make you a little bit more unique. Zay in particular, if you do not have Zay Jones, I think because of not entirely just seeing Sauce Gardner, but the Jets' defense and the, the entire Jets' pass defense. Andrew says Zay might see Sauce, Sauce Gardner, Jets' corner, rookie corner. Going to win defensive player, rookie of the year. Um, yeah, of course, Zay is going to see plenty of Sauce. But just like the Jets' pass defense is awesome, it's not just Sauce, right? It's the whole pass defense is excellent. And so if you, you know, if you got Zay through, which I got a lot of Zay through, <laughs> mainly on DraftKings, but I got a lot of Zay through. And I don't think you want to be relying upon him. Now, that's okay because you took him late. Now, he helped you get here, pass the torch over to, you know, Devontae Adams or Stefan Diggs or something like that. Pass the torch on to your superstars from Zay because I don't think our expectation should be that we're probably even using his score in this particular matchup, which is totally fine. You got what you needed out of Zay Jones, and you might get it next week too. But this week is probably if I if I have Zay, I'm not counting on him. The flip side is I don't have Zay, and this brutal matchup against the Jets in not ideal weather. I don't have Zay, and now you know a third of my pod has him. And maybe they did kind of rely upon they they relied upon him more throughout the course of the season, and that's a leverage point for me. So I think Zay in particular is a, an interesting one because you want to have him because in particular, obviously he popped off last week, and next week he's going to project really well for a late round wide receiver against the Texans. But this week you you probably need to figure out a way around him, even McKinnon. Right, Jarek McKinnon, who I'm, you know, I'm very excited for. You want also want to have him on your teams, I think. But the issue is, he's not gonna keep scoring these kind of long touchdowns. You know what I mean? He plays with Mahomes. He has a nice role, probably like a usable week king, given his role that he has right now. But a spike week guy, you know, if you recall, two weeks ago. Caught that crazy fluky touchdown from right. Mahomes is scrambling out to the right and just flips it over his head to McKinnon. McKinnon runs 50 yards for a touchdown. Last week, catches a touchdown. Then the game goes to overtime. He breaks a long run in overtime. So most games are not going to go to overtime. There's just fluky, you know, and fluky things in a positive manner happen on offenses like the Chiefs. When you play with Patrick Mahomes, right? CEH was scoring a touchdown every single week. Can McKinnon keep being a really useful asset? Yeah, absolutely. But if you don't have Jarek McKinnon and you still have strong running backs, I think it's okay, especially because teams might be, you know, he just put up two monster weeks in a row. Two, he was the RB1 overall in back-to-back weeks. That like is <laughs> rare for even, you know, superstar highly drafted backs, CMC and such. Pretty crazy what he just did. But if you don't have – like he still doesn't project on a week-to-week basis near those top backs. You know, he projects a lot better. He continues to project better the more and more work he gets. But he's not – you know, he needs that kind of fluky long touchdown situation to like really pop off. And so I think it's okay to not have him. 
as well on teams, right? It's a really interesting. KJ Osborne, nothing really changed for KJ Osborne. Maybe he has, based off of a big game, has earned a few more targets or something, but he's still the best the third option in that passing game if you want to put him ahead of Thielen that's fine but he's he's behind the best wide receiver in the NFL TJ Hawkinson has consistently generated more targets you know I'm not worried about not having KJ Osborne this round either so we're in this weird place where all season we're like oh my god what are you going to do without Josh Jacobs and now a I'm not really worried about not having Josh Jacobs but b Josh Jacobs wasn't the guy that went off right It, it wasn't even outside of these eagles you know, there's some good players up here. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, etc. But the three kind of cheap guys who blew up week 15 are the guys that you're like, if you don't have any of them, do you really care? Maybe for next week, you know, and, and of course, these guys are good to have on your teams. But like, I'm not sure that you really care that much if you don't have any of them. So it's very peculiar week 16 this week. Um, let's see. Do, do, do. There was, uh, yeah, we will get to Joey says, uh, LFG King Henry. We will definitely get to King Henry here. Ken, Ken's calling for, uh, I assume Christian Kirk, Christian Kirk definitely gets the best matchup, um, against the jets. But like I said, that should help him outperform Zay. But I don't know that that's, you know, I also wouldn't be counting on it. This is just a really good defense and a really good pass defense that has shut down a lot better offenses um, than the Jaguars. I need Trevor Lawrence in some spots, so I'm hoping for it. I'm still hoping that they can come through, but I'm not counting too much on my Jags this week, personally. Go on, 2K says, a theme I've noticed on my advancing teams is they either have a stud running back and mid-tier wide receivers or stud wide receiver and mid-tier running backs. But there are at least six to eight of the mid-tier guys that are legit playable. So you either have, you know, the six to six, six mid-tier playable running backs. Maybe not the absolute stone cold best, right? But playable. Guys, like uh he's probably a little bit better than playable even now. But last week would be your Tyler Algier, your Falcons guys, C Pat and Algier last week would be kind of what I would call that the like mid-tier guy that's legit playable but like last week did you did you like if you had a season-long team did you really want to click Tyler Algier like locked into your starter starting running back spot probably not you know he's not Ramondre he's not even Ken Walker you know he's not one of those guys but legit playable you know what I mean that's kind of what that's uh uh Donta Foreman, right? These random names. Um, what is Zach Moss now? Um, again, not amazing. You don't feel awesome about them, but legit playable. And you just hope to kind of, right? They ping pong around a bunch of weeks. That's what happened from my best team as Travis Etienne and Miles Sanders. Neither of them did anything last week, but I had Jarek McKinnon and uh, Tyler Algier. And it's like, got lucky, but that's what happens when you have the playable guys, right? And then obviously the same thing on the wide receiver side. This week, maybe you swing back to your better guys. But last week, you know, the Zays and the Osbournes of the world could absolutely carry you. Um, Let's talk some some great questions that are perfect segue into um, 
what I was going to talk about next. Yug says, is anyone else worried that Allen was limited in practice for the first time in weeks? No, I'm, I'm not. Um, how I generally treat injuries at this point in the season. Now it is Wednesday and there are Saturday games. So we'll talk a little bit about that for a guy or two, which is makes it much more concerning, but generally like being limited. It's like, man, dude, it's week 16. They've been playing for months and months. Josh is a little bit banged up with that elbow, but I'm not worried. I'm not, I'm not worried about him. You know, if it was like DNP, like if you're DNP on Wednesday or something, I think maybe we can start discussing how real that is. But ultimately, I just want to, you know, we're recording this on a Wednesday. I think it's mostly just like what what happens on Thursday. And then we'll get that kind of final-ish injury report. Um, but let's walk through some of these injuries because I think they're super, super impactful. Um I'm going to, I'm actually going to re bring up Hayden's sheet to be a reference point for some of these guys. Obviously, first thing, number one, biggest, most important player injury of this, of the season is Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has basically the highest, he's 1% lower than Zay Jones, semifinal advance rate at 30%. 29%. <clears throat> He's the QB one in fantasy. He just puts up at a minimum a good week every single week with what we saw of last week, the kind of ceiling. He carried a lot of teams here. And now we don't know if he's going to play. I have no idea. Like that this hurt situation is so bizarre. So I don't even really want to go too deep into it. But on one hand, so here's the thought experiment I did with Rob at King Coakley on Twitter last night on our show. And my my Jalen Hurts analysis kind of comes down to this. I have no idea if he's going to play. Him, you know, or like his teammates and some people are saying like, oh, they really, he looks good. He's, you know, getting ready to play, blah, blah, blah. They're optimistic. But I mean, he still hasn't practiced. He didn't practice today. The original reports were probably that he's going to miss two weeks. He's a strained, non-throwing shoulder. I understand it's the Cowboys game. It feels to me pretty silly to rush him back out there, especially when you have a capable backup. I just, I personally think I'd be surprised if he plays, but I don't really know at this point either, because like I said, we're getting very conflicting information, so I'm not going to try to draw too much from it. Just wait and see on Jalen Hurts, but the thought experiment that I think is the one that's most interesting to do is like I said, I have 18 teams left across both sites and a lot of Jalen hurts. It's somewhere around half of them have Jalen hurts. And so if half my teams have Jalen hurts and again, just for easy math, let's just say I have 20 teams and 10 of them have Jalen hurts. Would I rather Jalen hurts does not play. And you know, I, I'm almost assuredly wiping out those 10 teams. Could I maybe get lucky when I have with a backup quarterback somewhere? Sure. But, you know, my odds have just went in the shitter for those 10 teams. However, my odds for the other 10 teams have skyrocketed. Right? I just, I just 30% of my opponents, the other, the 30% of teams out there, right? So I'm in a pod 
of 16, 16, right? And puppies have 18, whatever. So let's just five or six teams in a puppy pod are boom. See ya without their QB one. Maybe their QB two is Trevor Lawrence. Who's like been awesome, but we just talked about why I don't know that I want to be excited for Trevor Lawrence, right? Maybe they, maybe they went double elite. Well, now they lost their sixth round pick. You know, maybe I have George Kittle or something, right? I mean, I'm making up scenarios, but they lost no matter how you slice it, even if they have a capable second quarterback, it's a huge, huge, huge boost for my non Jalen Hurts teams. I'm a sicko and I've been thinking about this a lot. I, I think I'm cool to wipe out my 10, my 10 Jalen Hurts teams and roll the dice. I think it's so hard to get to the finals that I would take just about anything I could get to get an outsized edge, right? The chances of making the finals is so hard. It's so low probability, you know, if Jalen Hurts plays. It's so low probability, period. But if I can get a huge boost to 10 different teams, you know, maybe then I can get one in there as opposed to having to beat out the fancy MVP basically on 30% of teams. Um, I, I saw somebody talk about this the other day. Terrence says, seems like the running QBs are getting banged up. I mean, all QBs are getting banged up. Like uh, somebody posted about that. I think it was, and then Sam Hoppin. I, I think you should go through all the actual quarterback injuries. Uh, Hertz has lasted <laughs> longer than many, many, many other pocket passers. Josh Allen, you know, p- football players just get banged up. It's, it's, there was a study done. It's been a long time. Uh, there's the idea that pocket passers get hurt less because, you know, the runners obviously are running and theoretically getting tackled a little bit more. But if you're smart about how you run, you actually avoid more big hits. You're the guy escape, right? You can escape the pocket. And then when you're out in the open field, the quarterback's not getting a ton of big hits. Now, you know, QB sneak, right? Jalen Hurts is QB sneaking a lot. Josh Allen is doing stuff at the goal line. So, you know, yeah, he takes a couple more hits there, but actually you're defenseless standing in that pocket when you can't move. So look at all the guys that, uh, that get hurt as Felix said, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy G got hurt too, right? Trey Lance runs. Jimmy G is in the exact same offense, does not run at all. And Jimmy G also got hurt. Um, yeah. Bur- Burrow has run a lot. DFSR brings up Burrow. Burrow has run a lot actually. And when he wasn't running, Originally, you know, kind of very originally is when he got his knee blown out because he was a sitting duck in the pocket. Um, it is it is interesting, though. Like, I mean, just lots of guys are getting banged up, right? Just all tons of quarterbacks. We've never really seen anything like this before. And then, you know, Matthew Stafford hurt. Right. Stafford got hurt. Uh, Brady is the one guy. I think people probably when they think pocket passer not getting hurt, I think they think about Brady a lot. Because he gets the ball out quicker than, you know, he's just the smartest, you know, veteran knows everything about reading defenses and all that, that he gets the ball out. But the normal pocket passer, right? Kenny Pickett was already hurt. He's like a closer to a pocket passer, just tons and tons of guys. Uh, I would rather have the escapability. You got to like Kyler, Kyler getting hurt as a runner. Like Kyler never gets hit. Kyler was a non-contact injury. Um, Yeah, this is a. this is a very true Alex says that the person who's taken the most hits in the entire season is actually Kirk cousin, Kirk cousins. He hasn't gotten hurt, but it's mostly luck because <laughs> he actually, he doesn't move 
and he takes more hit. He's taken the most amount of contact, right? The most amount of hits of any quarterback. And it's mostly because he can't run and then he holds the ball too long. It's a miracle. He has not gotten hurt. He just takes shot after shot after shot. It's crazy. So anyway, um, that's my, uh, uh, we got off on a little tangent, but that's my Jalen hurts. I don't want to dive too, too, too far into it, but I think it's an interesting thought experiment around hurts. Like what, when you look at your teams, um, some more injuries, some more injuries. Um, I'll, we can we can jump to this one because he's back. He'll be on a future list. Brendan asks, how much Goddard do you have? Any? Yeah. Excuse me. I don't have my teams up. Sorry. I should have done that. Um, uh, I have a one or two, one or two Goddard teams, um, and we'll get to him. He's uh, he definitely. Uh, Brendan doesn't have any. He says, but he's back and could definitely help. No doubt. He's a he's a guy I really want to see on teams. Um, another guy we've been talking about a, a smidge in the uh in the discord is uh who popped up unexpectedly i would say uh and did not practice yesterday and also has not practiced that did not practice today earlier in the week kevin stefanski said about nick chubb he you know hope basically like hopefully or is is very hopeful something about hoping which i thought was a weird phrase to use but it's basically like you know, I hope, I hope Nick Chubb plays like, I think he's going to play or, you know, it was that kind of context. Well, they play on Saturday. Like, you know, most teams play on Saturday, they play on Saturday and it's Wednesday and he did not practice again. So it would be the equivalent of not practicing on a Thursday in a normal week. Nick Chubb is like shockingly impactful. Not because he has, as you see there in the alive team, Right, he's only eight percent, which is kind of interesting because he uh, he was a reasonable advance rate player with the good regular season, but he really hasn't done anything of late. But they play on Saturday against the Saints, who you know it's not like a world's best matchup. But if you were able to get, and I'm selfishly saying this because this team has it, Kareem Hunt actually has a slightly higher advance rate than Chubb. But if you were able to get Kareem Hunt here to this situation and Nick Chubb misses. That's the that's that's the dream. You're not hoping for Nick Chubb to get hurt, but that's the dream, right? When you draft a running back like that, is you get him here. He's not been a smash all season, which of course you would prefer that he helped you. But if you got here, it doesn't really matter if he helped you or not throughout the course of the year. You got here to the semifinals, and then you know he's eight, he's only on eight percent of teams. You're probably the only team with him in your pod if you have him, mathematically speaking. So I, I just thought the Chubb thing was interesting. We'll see. He might, he might be totally fine. Right, return to practice tomorrow, and it's absolutely nothing. But it's at least notable to monitor because they really don't have anything to play for in Cleveland. So would at least be interesting. Um, this happened a little while ago now, but um, we haven't really talked about it too too much. But Tyler Lockett. Is another guy. If we look up Lockett here, Lockett still on a live teams is at twelve percent, which is really not too bad for a guy, you know, uh, who had a good year, not a great year, got hurt, right? Um, but the clear, right, and obvious kind of winner here is DK Metcalf, who's only on eight percent of a live teams, which is kind of interesting too when you think about the fact that that like fourth through sixth round skill player group was so bad man right 
Allen Robinson, Gabe Davis, Brandon Cooks, like McLaurin's been okay. Deontay Johnson, just the, the tight end sucked. It's so many guys there. And Metcalf wasn't amazing, but he had a fine year. And he's only on 8% of teams and Tyler Lockett's out this week. And they play the Chiefs. So, like, man, I don't I don't believe I advanced any DK Metcalf, but he uh, is a big-time big time guy I would want to have on teams. Um, also talked about Debo. You know, uh, they did say that maybe Debo could be back by Week 17. I would be very surprised if that were to happen. Um, I would suspect maybe they get him a few touches in week 18 or something, but who knows? Maybe he is totally fine by week 17. Um, but you're not, it's going to be really tough to get Debo teams through. Right. And even then, I don't know how much of an edge he would be even at, at really low ownership. He only has a 4% semifinal rate, but there's clearly a couple of guys here who this is big for one Christian McCaffrey, no Eli Mitchell and no Debo Samuel. Now Christian McCaffrey is your RB one overall in fantasy, basically. And he's only, only on 15% of teams. So a guy you want Christian McCaffrey shocker. The other guy who popped last week for them because when you just remove Debo Samuel and you're replacing him with uh, Jawan Jennings and Ray Ray McLeod, they're not going to earn the work that Debo is. So it consolidates more to the stars as we saw with CMC last week. And as we saw with George Kittle Again, George Kittle's 17% given what he did in the regular season probably feels crazy, but it's still only 17%. And you feel real good about having George Kittle relative to the tight ends around and available. So Kittle, another awesome guy with Debo out. And then the guy who I kind of keep talking about, and I'll shut up because I mentioned it on like every show, but Brandon Ayuk. Kind of like DK Metcalf for me, a little bit worse version, of course, but only on 8% of teams. Has actually had a decent year. Not, you know, he didn't take the world by storm, but he's had a decent year. And... He lost Debo. He's been a monster target earner without Debo over his career. You know, now we'll see what Brock Purdy does, but I don't imagine, I don't think Brock Purdy's hurting the offense compared to Jimmy G. It seems like it's been about the same. Typical 49er situation. Just bring in anybody off the street and have an efficient offense. And I think Brandon Ayuk is as much of a threat as just about everyone to go for 102. In, in any like any situation. Um, Yuke says Purdy throw into the sidelines has to help Ayuk. Yeah, they actually have someone who throws outside the numbers now. <laughs> Purdy, not a lot. You know, he's not Josh Allen or Justin Herbert, but it's 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 more, which is really nice for Ayuk. Um, uh, this is a, a very, a very good question. Uh, by Felix. Did Kittle pop off because of the matchup or because of the loss of Debo? And I would say probably a little bit of both, right? The Seahawks just have not, and they really have been bad against tight ends. Sometimes the, especially at tight end, the, you know, defense first position thing can be a little bit fluky, but I do think the Seahawks schematically and from a player talent perspective at linebacker and safety will have struggled all year. And it's with good reason against tight ends. And so Washington, Washington is a you know a totally fine matchup. It's actually really much better here for the pass game, 
which is nice for Ayuk and for Kittle. But I think it aligns up a little bit better for Ayuk this week than Kittle versus, like you said, Ayuk was getting the Seahawks pass defense is not very good. Their defense is not very good. But if there was going to be a spot where they're a little bit better, you know, the boundary wide receivers is a little bit better. So I just Ayuk is just a guy for me with the, again, going like using the injuries and stuff as a, a guiding light. Ayuk, I just, I'll shut up about him now, but he's also on my best team. But um, excited for for Ayuk. Don't have to talk about this one too much, but Matt Ryan, I don't imagine that. I haven't looked his up. Uh, I don't imagine he's on too many teams <laughs> at advanced 5%, you know, and it's not like those teams were using Matt Ryan's score anyway. So it doesn't really matter, but he's uh, Nick Foles. If you did not see, Nick Foles is going to start in week 16 for the Colts, which, I mean... Whatever. I think it doesn't really matter for Matt Ryan versus Nick Foles for Michael Pittman or Paris Campbell or whatever. I don't really think it matters. Um, JT, the other, you know, another Colts injury, but obviously Naheem Hines is not there. I, I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes for them this week because obviously they were ahead by a lot, which led to Zach Moss getting 24 carries. Um, can do have Zach Moss on uh, one DraftKings team and one under one BBM team. And so, I mean, uh, is, is Zach Moss would fall into um, the bucket of uh, where was it? Where cool on 2K found his theme of like Zach Moss is, you know, I don't want to be relying upon Zach Moss, but if he's my RB six or seven or whatever, I'm okay with that. Cause he, I, th- I think he could, you know, provide me with a usable week, you know, RB two, or maybe more of a flex play type score. But like, if you have him on a team, you're 2%, right? Maybe he falls into the end zone twice, not really counting on much from him or frankly, the Colts without JT and Deion Jackson's going to get his work, especially if the script is negative. Obviously last week, the script was very positive. They were kind of feeding Zach Moss, but um, no, they're, they're you can't ask for much more if you have Zach Moss on a team, right? You can't ask for much more. So, um, yep. To, uh, another one, Ryan Tannehill. Um, I don't also believe has not practiced yet. We'll see. He's only on 5% of teams. Malik Willis is uh, <laughs> not somebody I'm personally particularly excited for. The last time Malik Willis, a live team rate zero. That's funny. In best ball mania. Um, uh, I I just uh, the reason that the big dog is on the is on the old cover is on the old thumbnail for this article also has to do with the fact that Malik Willis is there. Um, they're not going to want to throw with him. I think that they know that he's not ready. I think that he probably knows that he's not ready to play at the NFL level. He may never be. I don't think he's very good. Who knows? Maybe he develops, but um. If Tannehill does not play, I I just think they're going to load the big dog up with a whole bunch of carries. I, I I could certainly be wrong. Maybe Willis breaks off some runs, but wouldn't be super super jazzed about him. Vadim says, "What is Mike Evans' advance rate? Mike Evans five percent in this round." Um. And you're the only one. Vadim says he's the only one with Mike Evans in two of my pods, and I feel like he's due. Well, he's been due all season, and that hasn't really helped. Um, I think 
we're hoping for something more than just the do factor for Mike Evans. But I do agree. I think that the Bucks wide receivers are fine guys to have. It, it, it has not gone well for the old Brady Evans connection this year, but that does not mean in any given week, Mike Evans can't go 102 because he's going to be out there. He's going to get targets. He's going to get downfield shots. He's going to get end zone shots. It's just that my God, Brady has been bad. The offensive line is obviously bad. Evans himself has been bad. He's dropped multiple long touchdowns. Brady's missed him on multiple long touchdowns, but to your point, he's getting those opportunities and at any given week, it could pop up. So I think Evans is, I think Evans is totally fine. Um, yeah. uh, Ken asked, will Henry still rush for 200 with no threat of the pass? I mean, they've barely had threat of a pass a lot of times and people can't stop Derrick Henry, although I, he's getting a little older. Their offensive line isn't as good, but frankly, I don't think the Texans, <laughs> I don't trust the Texans to be able to shut him down no matter who's back there at quarterback, to be totally honest. If they do get up really big, as Felix says, um, I think Haskins or Chestnut could get into the game to where, you know, if they were to get up big, the problem with this concept is it assumes the Titans get up big A on anyone and B on this Texans. The Texans should have beat the Cowboys two weeks ago, had them beat dead to rights. Then they just took the Chiefs to overtime last week. So under what circumstances are we expecting that this Titans team, who's getting the doors beat off them like every week right now, under what, how are they going to blow the Texans out? Anything can happen. Maybe they do. But like, I think that they're like, shit, we got to go get this dub. How else are we going to do it other than Derrick Henry for 35 touches? <laughs> you know, it's the Texans are not a, not, like sounds crazy to say, but that it is what it is. Um, I didn't talk about this one. I'm not going to go through it, but again, this is also a selfish one for me because I have him on a couple teams that could really need him. Looks like Cortland Sutton is practicing today on a limited basis. On a limited basis, Kendall Hinton is not. Obviously, KJ Hamler is out, but um, Sutton coming back. You know, Russ is going to be back. Uh, they, they they've mostly sucked all year. But Judy, Judy and Sutton, you know, with Sutton back, it's kind of like they're not great guys to have on your team, but they're living, breathing bodies to cool on 2K's point. They're a bunch of mid-tier guys that could have good weeks and probably won't, but <laughs> it's in the range, right? Running every route out there for the Broncos. Um, there was somebody else. Oh, Lamar. Last one, Lamar. Um, and if I miss anybody else, I apologize. Lamar Jackson did not practice again today. I was going to look up Lamar's. Lamar has advanced on 4% of teams. Um, I don't think there's much. Uh, you know, they did put Devin Duvernay on IR as well. He got hurt in practice, I guess. Um, so that's tough for them. I guess we're going to be having a... <laughs> Is Prochet... Is Prochet healthy? I don't even know who's healthy at their wide receiver spots. I know they picked up Sammy Watkins. Like my God, but it's possible they're they're playing Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins, and Deshaun Jackson at wide receiver. I know Tylen Wallace is hurt. I think too, right? Um, I can't remember who's exactly all hurt and healthy. Their wide receiver room is a disaster. But I, you know, nobody really drafted any of those guys, and I don't think you can count on them. Theoretically, this should mean Mark Andrews. In a great matchup, in an in an about as good of a matchup as you can get, 
with Atlanta, the woeful Falcons defense, theoretically, Mark Andrews should do something. And a fair point by Ken here. Isaiah likely should, you know, maybe run some more, run some more routes. Maybe we get the two tight end stuff. Three percent Isaiah likely advancing. Not another guy like I don't want to be counting on him. But if he went for 40 yards and a touchdown, I don't think that that's unreasonable at tight end. And maybe that's, excuse me, that's all you need at tight end. The other guy along those lines, A.K. Dobbins, really been good since returning. And he can't even like, it's so funny because when he gets the ball in between the tackles or just any short area bursts and, and that kind of stuff, God, he looks good. And then it's like once he opens it up and he kicks it into top gear, it's like the leg just locks up. You can see him. He looks like shit once he gets 15, 20 yards downfield and tries to open it up. But my God, he looks awesome in the short to intermediate stuff, short area, which is really the most important thing anyway. But um, I, I think I think, uh, I think we could see some more Dobbins. I think we could see some more Dobbins here as well, especially against the Falcons defense. No real reason to go too crazy with Tyler Huntley. Um, but still a boost for Mark Andrews. All right. Um, we talked about the chalk fades. We talked about a lot of the guys, the most exciting players to have, but I did want to touch on a couple more. We talked through Derrick Henry. We talked about DK Metcalf, Ayuk. Really super crazy. God damn it. I should have kept this up every time I every time I take it down. Uh, something comes to mind that I should have brought it up. Really, like, all season, right? Best ball is so funny. All season, we talk about, like, so-and-so is going to be so chalky in the playoffs. Right? How do I get leverage off of Josh Jacobs? Do I want Josh Jacobs on my team or not? Then we get to this round. You show me where you see Josh Jacobs. (laughs) Scrolling, 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 scrolling. 14%, like the 30th, 30th most popular player. Who gives a shit if you don't have him? He's not shocked. You probably want him on teams now because he's not crazy popular. The us spending all year being like Travis Kelsey, right? This is the guy I wanted to talk about. Travis Kelsey's gonna be so popular. He's such a cheat code at tight end, blah, 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 blah. Travis Kelsey's in 15% of teams. Down here, next to Jahan. He has the same advance rate as Jahan Dotson and Evan Ingram. You never you never sat there and said, like, oh, man, I got to figure out how to get... Look, Evan Ingram, Travis Kelsey, Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs has the same advance rate as Tyler Algier and David Montgomery. We spend all year thinking about... Oh my God, can you believe how chalky Josh Jacobs is going to be? Can you believe how ch- would you rather? W- there were literal conversations like in our Discord about what should you do? Do you want Travis Kelsey? Well, you can't. He's going to be way too popular. So, how do we get leverage on Travis Kelsey? Like, people are talking about Andrews, people are talking about late round tight ends, people are talking about X, Y, Z, this, that, and the third. And then we get to this round and, and hold on, what's revisionist history? Who has revisionist history? I'm literally describing specifically what happened. I don't understand um, what you're saying there, my man. We're talking during the reason I was involved in these conversations. There were long conversations in the discord about like Travis Kelsey is going to be so popular. Josh Jacobs was 
so popular. It wasn't even revisionist history because it actually happened. <laughs> uh, and Travis Kelsey, like right, Josh Jacobs, almost 50% in the first round. Now he's down to 14. These mental exercises of leverage in the playoffs and all that kind of stuff are fun to think through. But Travis Kelsey turns into um, – right, this is – Darren says Kelsey and Jacobs got you. That's literally what I'm saying. These guys helped you get there, and we talked during the season about how popular they would be in the playoffs. I'm not – no one – at no point in this did I say you don't want those guys on your team. I'm, I'm actually doing the opposite. I'm saying it's funny. Tra Josh Jacobs was the highest – own player in the first round. Travis Kelsey was the guy all year, or at least for the back half of the year after Mark Andrews died, that everybody's like, oh my God, Kelsey's going to have such a high advance rate. What do we do with, you know, what do we think about our teams? How do we get leverage on Kelsey? And there were multiple days in the Spike Week Discord talking about Kelsey leverage and all that kind of stuff. And now he's the same, he's the same, he has the same amount of teams left as Evan Ingram. Travis Kelsey does. Right. So it's like on now, just give me all the Kelsey teams. Only 15. I might be the only one or one other team with Travis Kelsey in, in my pods. That's the dream. That's the dream. You get the Travis Kelsey, probably the biggest edge of any individual player, thanks to his position that exists. Now, now he's positive leverage. He's under owned relative to his ability to blow up the slate. It's incredible how, you know, how just quickly things change in this game, you know, based on one week's results. And Kelsey didn't even dud. He just didn't, you know, he didn't catch touchdown, basically. And some other tight ends did okay. And the late round, you know, guys smashed. And so it's just funny how quickly things change. Um, with Travis Kelsey, I want Travis Kelsey teams. I don't have a lot, but I got enough to feel dangerous with Travis Kelsey, especially in that matchup that Felix outlined earlier, the old Seahawks, they couldn't stop Kittle. They can't stop basically any tight end. And uh, now they get Mr. Travis Kelsey. That's pretty fun. So I would want Travis Kelsey on teams. We talked about Goddard a little bit. Somebody asked about Goddard or mentioned, I think Brendan mentioned Goddard. Awesome one. Comes back at a tight end position. That, as we literally just now discussed about Travis Kelsey, is horrendous. 10%. He's on 10% of teams, which is probably a little higher than you might expect. Shows you how bad tight end was. That he was he was good when healthy, and he's hasn't played in a month, and he's still on 10% of teams in the semifinals. But still, 10%, he would have been much higher if he had been playing. And so getting him back when... Right, AJ Brown is the third highest owned player in this round. Devonta Smith is up here as well at seventeen percent, uh, and then you get Goddard down there at ten percent. Right, is literally direct leverage off of he's the best kind of leverage because he plays tight end. So if you get a good Goddard game, you are of course stealing points away from AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. They both can't catch touchdowns at the same time, and you're getting it at the weakest position. Right, you get the two tight end or two tight end, two touchdown Dallas Goddard game, and it's the dream. Your the AJ Brown teams are not, you know, it's not that AJ Brown can't do well. Of course he can. All three of these guys can do well, but you're probably not getting the total ceiling AJ Brown performance that your opponents might have, 
and you're getting the ceiling performance from the tight end spot where you can really separate from people. So Goddard and Kelsey are two of the guys. I'm like, please let me get some of these dudes on my teams. Let me get some of these dudes on my teams. I talked about Stefan Diggs. Uh, I'll combine Diggs and Devontae a little bit into one. Stefan Diggs is 8% in the semifinals, and Devontae Adams is 6% in the semifinals, which is pretty crazy. They just both happened to dud in week 15. They've both been monsters all year. Devontae actually had one of the higher advance rates of any player, even though he was he's at the one, two turn. So it helped you get really good Devontae teams. Diggs smash Devontae Adams smash. And just by the way things played out in week 15, they have pretty low ownership. There's no reason to be, and I guess we'll get to the weather. We'll kind of close with some weather and some matchup thoughts, but bills bears weather is a little bit concerning basically, but I mean, you can't be upset with low owned Stefan Diggs and Devontae Adams in this round. I don't think talked about hunt last one I was going to bring up was um, maybe one that people aren't expecting necessarily, but it is uh, the Steelers uh, shout out Francisco. His favorite team left has Kelsey and Adams uh, Yahtzee. Yeah, that one sounds pretty good. Uh, and Jonathan has a, a Bengal stack, which is really not. That's another, that's a, I did not bring those guys up. When you, sh- when you do a bunch of shows with Rob Coakley, don't tell him I said, said this. We talk about Jamar Chase a lot. So it's probably that I'm just sick of talking about Jamar Chase. Uh, but the Bengals stack is a really good one to sneak through. Healthy now. Bengals look good. Um, yeah. Um, but anyway, who I was going to bring up as a, kind of a last couple guys that I was excited for like i said it's probably not who you think but the two steelers wide receivers george pickens and deontay johnson um you see here i have it filtered for just week 15 and i know that um pickett's back but Je- I, I think you know their quarterback situation is a mess i'm not sure that either of the quarterbacks really <coughs> matter i'm really not sure that it matters but i think i would say that uh I would rather have Pickett in there just to create a little bit more functional offense, although I I don't think Pickett's very good either. But you see here, and it was basically a two-man show. Sorry, got a damn tickle in my throat. Basically a two-man show last week. George Pickens had five targets, only two catches, but he actually led the team in air yards. He had 50% of the team air yards last week. So the, the George Pickens... Big game didn't didn't go, you know, how you've really been hoping for the last couple of months. But the role is there. The upside is absolutely there. And then Deontay did a, a, a typical Deontay game, 10 catches for 98 yards, um, did have a red zone target. But I just think both of those guys have kind of untapped upside in particular because they're playing the Raiders this week. You know, if they had a bad matchup, their offense isn't good enough to overcome like truly bad matchups, I don't think. But against the Raiders, I think that they're still last or maybe second to last now in pass defense DVOA in the NFL. When you get it, you know, Fryermuth maybe will come back to life, but he certainly wasn't a thing last week. Um, But even if Fryermuth comes back, it's just three guys in the passing game, Pickens, Deontay, and Fryermuth. So they're low-key kind of guys I'm – I'm excited for. (laughs) 
and Najee. And Najee's going to relive the Franco Harris era, says Felix. Um, doo, doo, doo. John asked how much Tyreek made it. I can pull up and show you guys here. Uh, if I scroll just a little smidgy here, you see Tyreek Hill at 20%. Uh, the one, two, three, four, five, six, eighth highest zone player in the semifinals, just behind KJ Osborne. Shocker. Um, let's see here. Why, Dad? Thirty-seven says I have four teams through to the next round, and three of them have Hardman. It's not the worst guy to have. Um, I think he. Sh- I think he should be back. This week, not a terrible matchup. And they kind of need, I mean, he's not a good receiver, but they do kind of need a little juice in the passing game, right? With somebody that can do something with the ball in their hands. You know how Hardman scores those fluky goal line touchdowns all the time. There are a lot worse mid, you know, late-ish round wide receivers to have um, on three of your four teams like you have here. Shout out Neil, Neil Orfield. Am I finally going to get a usable week out of Alan Lazard against Miami? (laughs) Would you like the truth or would you like for me to be nice? Because I don't have any faith in Alan Lazard doing anything ever. (laughs) Um, Could you get a usable week out of him? Yeah. You know, the Green Bay defense is really bad. Low-key, really bad. Worse against the run. But Miami should score on them. And so theoretically, theoretically, it's funny. It's uh, only blur says theoretically. Theoretically, the Packers are going to have to do some passing here, unlike last week. Can't just ride A.J. Dillon to the ground and Aaron Jones. But I'm not very hopeful for the Packers pass game. So, I gave you the truth. I didn't abide by your your wishes. Definitely agree with Josh. Hardman's a fun guy to have this. Is <laughs> Matt says, uh, could really use a good Kyle Pitts week. You and me both. Kyle Pitts and Cooper Cup. That's who I'm most excited for. They're on, they're on my, uh, the DK555 team. Hurts. <laughs> Cooper Cup and Kyle Pitts. And I think like Bateman's on there too. We made the semifinals. Made the semifinals with Cup Pitts. Shout out Zay and the Eagles, by the way, for that one. And McKinnon. Made the semifinals with Cooper Cup and Kyle Pitts. Lost Jalen Hurts now, possibly. Best ball is fun. Best ball is fun. Let's look at... um, Look at the let's wrap with some 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 weather and uh, matchups and such. If I go to, um, if you ever want to look at, uh, if you don't use this already, you should. And obviously, a shameless plug for my company and uh, a friend, Kevin Roth. But if you're ever looking for weather on any sport with a fantasy lens, you know, viewed through a fantasy lens and how it impacts fantasy scoring, Kevin is the best in the biz. And it's a busy week. It's a busy week for weather. Starting tomorrow night's game. We already talked about the Jags being concerning against a really good Jets defense. And 
Kevin says, cold and wet in East Rutherford, temps in the 40s, rain in 10 to 15 mile an hour wind. It's ugly, and I expect it'll have an impact on the passing game. Nothing there in and of itself is like horrible, right? The winds, 10 to 15 mile an hour wind is manageable. A little bit of rain, you know, steady rain can be manageable. And cold weather, of course, can be manageable. When you just start to pile all these things up, and it's a short week, and the Jets have a good defense, and Zach Wilson's playing, so maybe they want to run the ball more. It's just kind of a really gross, really, really gross game. So Jags are a good matchup for the Jets. Still excited for that, but expectations definitely tempered for me and probably everyone with that one. Um, For the big dog... Derrick Henry, just a yellow, you know, so he has um, yellow, orange, red, and green, of course. Frigid in Tennessee, very cold, light winds, not a big deal. Not a big deal. If anything, who the hell wants to tackle Derrick Henry in uh, 15 degree temperatures? Not I. Not I. The worst game of the week. New Orleans at Cleveland. Going to be gnarly. Going to be gnarly in Cleveland. As uh, as Vadim says, looks like the worst weather imaginable for any outdoor game this week. Pretty much if your game's outdoors, it's not it's not very not very appealing. But this Cleveland game is definitely the worst. As you see here, 20 to 30 mile an hour sustained winds with gusts over 40. Andy Dalton and uh, the corpse of Deshaun Watson in this does not sound very fun. Probably a lot of running. Kevin says uh, deep passes and field goals are going to be very, very difficult. Snow, super cold, 40 mile an hour winds. Not good offenses to begin with. Not good defenses either, but really not good offenses. It's hideous. It's hideous. Another like small scare is the next one. Orange for the Bills and the Bears. Um, most people probably have interest in this game, whether it be with your own team or, you know, fading the Bills is never fun and fading Justin Fields has not been fun all year this year. And it's not great in Chicago. It's not great. The, the wind is really the issue. It's going to be super cold. We're not seeing like necessarily snow, a little bit of snow, Kevin says. But the main thing is it's going to be extremely cold and windy. Gusts up to 35 miles an hour. So, you know, Josh Allen has a strong arm. You can throw in the wind and all that. But like it's an issue. It's an issue for the game environment. Um, It's an issue for our boy Gabe Davis. We better pray that uh, Josh Allen can throw through the wind. For uh, for for Gabe, yep. As Jonathan says, the wind is definitely going to suck. Seattle KC is not too bad. Real, you know, the cold. I'm not. I'm not too worried about. We start to stack up these weather elements. Kind of. Uh, Kevin outlines it perfectly. Pretty much everywhere here. And so yellow, right? A little bit of wind. Super cold. But not that big of a deal. Not certainly not worried about it for the Chiefs. Gets cold and cold enough in Seattle too. Not not too worried about it. Fairly similar for Bengals Patriots. Uh, cold with a little bit of wind. Not a big deal. Small issue for that game is again both defenses are just pretty good. So that's not 
not ideal. The Bengals can definitely power through it. Ramondre is going to get his work. So not a big deal. But when you start to pretty good defenses, the Patriots offense stinks. Not perfect weather. Not a, not an awesome game. Detroit and Carolina is green. Just going to be cold in Carolina. But it's funny. It's it's going to be cold, you know, around freezing with the very light winds. Call it five mile an hour winds or something. And this, as Kevin said, is as good as you can ask for. Freezing with some wind is the best weather we could ask for this week. Just a crazy, crazy weather week. Atlanta and Baltimore, kind of the same thing as some of these yellow games. Other yellow games, cold, 15-mile-an-hour wind, right? Same thing again here. Raiders, Steelers, cold, 15-mile-an-hour wind. And then we get to Miami, looks pretty good, as is the case typically in Miami. There's a chance of a shower, light winds, not worried about it. That's a game I'm like, you're like, oh, thank God. I got, you know, I have I have Dolphins. Maybe I have Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon or Niels rooting for Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, whatever. You're like, thank you, Jesus. You're playing in Miami this week because this weather is going to have a big impact. I don't know who specific, you know, which games are going to have the really truest big impact. But, like, look at this. 100% precipitation in New York, 20-mile-an-hour winds. Brutal, man. Just brutal. Um yeah, Turk, it's literally, literally the Windy City. And then GA and uh, Vadim, I think, was asking about which games are in the Dome. So we'll go through um, Vikings, Giants. So your Cousins stacks, your Dalvin Cooks, your Justin Jeffersons, your Saquon Barkleys, Hawkinson, all that, all that in that game, good to go in the, in the old Dome in Minnesota. Let's see here. Went through that one, went through that one, went through that one, went through that one. 49ers, not worried about the weather in San Fran. So your, your 49ers players who we said were all excited for their main three core guys. <clears throat> 49ers look good. And then, of course, uh, the Eagles, Eagles-Cowboys. In Jerry World. Talked about the Dolphins. Rams, another same thing. But, I mean, my God, what a gross game. 36 and a half total on Broncos Rams. But hey, at least it's at least it's at LA Coliseum. So it could be worse. And then uh your Bucks Cardinals. Bucks Cardinals on what Sunday night football and then Chargers Colts. So what f- five to six good weather games, basically. About uh about I guess what we would expect. At this time, you know, Christmas week. Christmas week. It's gonna be gnarly weather here in St. Louis. Uh starting tomorrow. We're getting one of we're getting one of those storms rolling in tomorrow. They're sending out all these alerts of be careful, your, your internet might go out, you know, be prepared for this, that, whatever. Um I think that about covers it. I, myself, and I believe Rob will be back tomorrow for one final prep. One final prep. Like I said, I'm anxious. I'm I'm very much looking forward to it, and I'm very much not looking forward to all my teams losing. <laughs> Just one team. Give me one team through to week 17. Crazy week, though. Man, we went through how many injuries, 
weather situations, the chalky guys that got you here being in maybe not so good of spots this week. Crazy, crazy week. We don't even know if Jalen Hurts is going to play, right? Man, an absolutely crazy week. But myself, and like I said, I think, I believe Rob will be back tomorrow getting our final prep work in for week 17, going through some teams. We'll go through some of your teams and we'll go through some of our teams and <clears throat> review some pods, review, you know, some final things for everyone, all of us to get excited about. We can, like I said, look at some of your teams as well. And then Sunday we'll be back you've had not, not been following we have been live mostly tilting but live sweating and tilting the games after the sunday afternoon games i guess i shouldn't say that i think we're going to do it on monday because christmas clearly um i'm in such a a zone here i think we'll do it on monday before the monday night football game so we'll kind of start sweating tilting the semifinal rounds seeing if we have anything right any chargers colts that can lead us to the promised land probably not by that point, but who knows? Maybe Mike Williams or Eckler or somebody can pull pull a team through. But so tomorrow we'll be back, and then Sunday we'll be back. If you have not gotten in to the Spike Week Discord, hop in the description, hit the like button on your way if you don't mind. It really helps us. Really helps us. Get in the Discord. It's where conversation is happening around the clock. I'm in there. Tons of these people here in the chat are are in there. We're reviewing teams. We're sweating teams. We're talking about next year already. We're talking about week 16. We're talking about week 17. The best way to sweat the end of this best ball season is in that Spike Week Discord. So everybody have a everybody have a wonderful rest of your day. Wife and I are going out, going out to dinner before the storm gets in here. And before week 16 starts. And I'll uh see you guys tomorrow. Peace.